this morning we're in a little different location. Um, uh, some Thanksgiving this week and um, holiday and people out of town. So anyway, we had to make do with what we got to make do. And also, um, this is the first Sunday of Advent. I've kind of moved the Advent readings around a little bit uh, this year. But I wanted to read from uh, Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate be, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, as it is written, the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for the gift of your word, and just pray that this morning as we look at this passage that you be at work among us, and all that is said be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here on this first Sunday of Advent, we think about the hope that is generated in the midst of of difficulty. And that's what Luke is really setting us up for. You know, he, he began this, this section by talking about, you know, who was the ruler, who was the tetrarch, who was the, the emperor at the time. One is because Luke really likes to date things. He likes you to know, you know, when things happened and that this was the time and it's to give clarity and to date what's going on. <clears throat> but he's also doing something else. He's reminding the people there, it says, you know, that the emperor is the Roman emperor. And then Pontius Pilate is over the area, really. And then you, he mentions Herod the Tetrarch. Now, this is not Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great was the, the king of the Jews when Jesus was a baby. Here we're talking about John the Baptist uh, years later. After Herod the Great dies, his kingdom, the, the kingdom that he ruled uh, of the Jews of Israel, was split up into four, maybe four sections. That's what makes it a tetrarchy. And then he had sons that were kind of to rule over the areas. It was kind of split up among them. And a few of them are mentioned here. They're tetrarchs because they, they rule an area of his rule that was totally Herod the Greats. The Herod family, as we've said before, kind of uh, politically bought into being uh, the king. They were in connection to Rome, were kind of appointed there. He was part Jewish, but he was really a political player in connection with Rome, and he was kind of set up to be king of the area. And then his descendants became the tetrarchs of the area. It was reminding them that even the king of the Jews is connected to, to Rome, and it's political, and it's messy, and it still has the oppression of Rome. And then he goes on to talk about even the high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. One of you reminding them they've got two. Well, see, what's going on here is usually the high priest chosen by lots and, and who would be high priest, you would be high priest for life. 
But by this point in history, the family of Annas had kind of politically bought into the high priesthood. They were kind of connected. And Annas had been kind of set up as high priest. And normally he should be high priest for life, but Annas was removed, and his son-in-law was actually then appointed high priest, Caiaphas. So for the faithful Jews, they felt like they had two, because Annas was supposed to be high priest until he died, but Rome had changed it around to where even the high priest role was tainted by Rome and by oppression and by political upheaval and by connection and, and who could win favors and who was politically um, favored by someone else. All of those are, are things that Luke is reminding the people. In the midst of turmoil and oppression, there is this voice crying out in the wilderness, reminding them of the need and the hope for the Messiah to come in the midst of difficulty. So in the, in the world today, you know, you look and see the political upheaval we're in, the, the difficulties around us, the things going on in our culture and our world. And as we enter into Advent, it is to remind us of the hope, of the hope that comes from Christ. It also reminds us of, you know, they were looking for a military leader. They were hoping the Messiah would be a military. You see that all through the book of Acts. Um, I mean, the book of Luke. Luke also wrote Acts. <laughs> um, they were hoping for a military leader in the Gospel of Luke. But Jesus comes not as a military leader, but as a shepherd who will lay down his life, who will, who will lovingly lead the sheep and give his life to bring freedom, freedom from sin, and brought for salvation, not just defeating Rome, but salvation to the world. That idea that sometimes what we think we want isn't exactly what we want. I, I was thinking about that this uh, week before last. <clears throat> uh, what I was thinking about is a few years ago, I did a, a sermon series in Advent and entitled it, uh, I, I had gone online and heard, uh, heard this idea and it really, it's catchy to me, so entitled it uh, Socks and Underwear. And so that was the sermon series for Advent. And it's the idea, you know, when you were a kid, you know, there were all these presents you wanted. And so when you unwrapped, you know, whoever gave you, you know, socks and underwear, it was not the present that you wanted, not the gift you wanted, but it was often the gift that you needed. That idea that Jesus may not be what we thought we wanted, but it is absolutely what we need. And partly why I was thinking about that this past um, couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago was my birthday. And I guess I, I realize I have, I have entered the category of, you know, dorky dad when, when I asked, what did I want for my birthday? And I really wanted T-shirts, socks, and underwear. That's what I really wanted. And when I got them, I was, I was excited. Um, but therein it reminded me of this this idea of sometimes what we really want may not be what we get. But when it comes to God and God meeting our needs and the salvation, he always gives us what we, what we really need. And that is what Luke is setting up right here in, in the way he dates what's going on. 
And then you have John, the son of Zechariah. Zechariah's already been talked about in Luke's gospel. The son who receives the word of the Lord. He's clearly a prophet who in the wilderness begins to preach this message of baptism, of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. In essence, for Luke's gospel, that is the gospel. That is the good news. This idea of baptism is to connect them to the water. You know, in Israel, in the, the, the Jews at the time, the closest thing to baptism was what Gentiles, if a Gentile converted to Judaism, they would go through a ritual that was closest thing to baptism. So saying everybody needed to go through this baptism. But also it reminds them of when they were in Egypt as slaves. They go through the water of the Red Sea, coming out of slavery. But they don't enter the promised land. Actually, they spend 40 years in the wilderness discovering God's faithfulness. And then they go through, miraculously, the water of the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3 to enter the promised land. This baptism, this water image is key. Because then they're offered repentance. Repentance, we, we treat it like it's a dirty word, repent or burn. But the repentance just means to change direction. To move, to change your mind, to change your direction, to change where you're going, to change and go in the direction of God. So it's being invited here. And it's Jesus who's going to allow the way for the forgiveness of sins to happen so that we can move and follow Christ follow in the direction of God. So it's all this voice crying out and the message of John the Baptist, the heart of the gospel. So all I gotta do is repent. God forgives and then works with us. And it happens in the wilderness. There again, wilderness in scripture is a place where you, know, where you get desperate, where you're hungry, where you're thirsty, where you don't have anything. But there are also significant moments of transition. This idea they come out of Egypt. But then they spend 40 years in the wilderness in a, in a season of discovering God's faithfulness and transition before they can go in the right direction. That here, Luke is reminding them they're in a place in a time of transition. In their desperation, God, God meets them with a hope and a promise. It's like the transitions in our lives, those moments of desperation when things get difficult. Actually, it feels like to me some, we're, we're still in a, a bit of a season of trans, transition. Uh, last year, Advent, you know, we, we decorated the sanctuary, but no one actually got to see it in person. We, we, that was the week we had to quit, quit meeting in person again. And I took pictures of the stuff in the sanctuary, put it online with with you know, background music of the, the choir so people could see. And this year we're in the sanctuary again. We're decorating it, but it still feels transition. There's still uncertainty, still talking about you know, other strands of the virus. We, you, you know, we've never been in a, a 
pandemic before, and I've never come out of a pandemic before. I remember being told, you know, we're in stage one and stage two and stage three, the, the different stages of pandemic and what you need to do. And I remember asking, well, who decides what stage we're in? And if you looked online or called, you know, well, the CDC, you would ask them, well, they would say, you need to talk to your local you know, health department. If you talk to your local health department, they would send you back to the CDC. It would be this circular thing because the truth is we've never, we've never been in a pandemic, never come out of a pandemic. And even if you look at the political climate of our world, it, it, it feels like a bit of a, a season of transition, a wilderness. And in the midst of the wilderness is where God speaks the most where God works in our lives the most, where God shows God's faithfulness and prepares us to make whatever change is needed, whatever transition, that's all repentance means. So I pray that in this season of Advent and preparing for Christmas, you'll be open to the voice of God speaking in this transition to what needs to happen. Luke also then quotes Isaiah 40 of a voice crying out in the wilderness and talks about the, the valleys being made high and the mountains being made low. It's Luke's way. Of, he quotes Isaiah 40. Because see, if you were a faithful Jew, you might be poor because of the oppression and the struggle. And one of the themes for Luke's gospel is a preferential treatment for the poor. And the poor and the broken and the needy, the valley is going to be brought up. And the wealthy and the rich. And when, when in the book of Acts, they even go before kings and leaders. Even Paul pleads to the emperor that the noble and authority are going to be brought low. That it's a, a level playing field with God and the gospel. Beautiful image there. But one of the things that if, if an Old Testament passage is quoted in the New Testament, you might need to go back and read a larger section. It's not like they were checking off a list of, you know, messianic prophecies. It's usually the larger section actually is important in the text. And if you go back and read all of Isaiah 40, because here you see Isaiah 40 verses 3 through 5 quoted. But if you read all of Isaiah 40, it's beautiful. Isaiah 40 talks about being bearers of the good news. Another one of the themes of Isaiah 40 is the breath of God. And the word for breath and wind and spirit in Hebrew and Greek is this, it's the same word. In Hebrew, it's ruach. And it means breath, wind, and spirit. And in Greek, it's pneuma. And it means breath, wind, and spirit. One of the themes for Luke, and he's preparing you for the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit is poured out. The breath of God blows. But if you read in Isaiah 40, the, the breath of God brings life in the midst of these wilderness moments. God brings and blows and his spirit offers us life. But the breath of God also in Isaiah 40 blows away the chaff. Blows away when you would thresh wheat, you would want to get the grain and so you would have to thresh the wheat so that the wind would blow away what didn't need to be there. God also wants to remove in our lives the things that don't need to be there. Help us to see them and begin working. And it's, that's a lifelong process of cleansing and transformation that is a gift of God's grace. Where forgiveness and, and grace transform us. It's part of what the breath and the Spirit of God do. And then when you get to the end of Isaiah 40, it's, it's one that you may be familiar with. 
that you may not know that you're familiar, that it comes from Isaiah 40. But it's where it says, the youths, even the young, shall come faint and be weary. And the young men shall fall exhausted. When you're in the desert in transition, you can be exhausted and tired. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings like, wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Then in the midst of weariness, in the midst of transition, in the midst of those moments of waiting and anticipation, if we will wait on the Lord well, he renews us. That's what Luke is telling us. So I pray that this season of Advent that we enter into is preparing us for the, the, the gift of the Christ event may be a season of pausing and hearing and listening, realizing we're in transition, but may it also be a season of renewal. And may the, the Spirit of God blow in your life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you. We love you for how you work in our lives in the midst of wilderness moments. And, and sometimes when we think we know what the answer is, you, you give us the gift that we need through your spirit, through your presence, and most of all, through the sacrifice of Christ who offers salvation to the world. May we embrace it. May we let it transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.